2: Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. I'm your host, Greg, and boy, what a difference a week makes. Uh, we had a surprisingly upbeat show last week, but not this week, because we have two incredibly demoralizing games to talk about. And if that didn't wet your appetite, I don't know what will. Joining me, as always, are my two lovely co-hosts coming to us from the almost suburbs of Atlanta. It is Ben Daniels. Ben, how... how how are you feeling after this wonderful week of Tottenham Hotspur?
1: How are you going to relegate me to the suburbs? It's
2: like suburb-ish. There's driveways
1: out there. No, that's just what Atlanta's like. It's just not very city-like. There's houses, there's driveways, it's a suburb. there's yards. The whole city's a suburb. It's okay. You're oh, right.
2: Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, how are you feeling after this wonderful week of Tottenham Hotspur? You
1: know, I'm. I'm. Guess I'm glad that even when Spurs are out of form, it gives us a chance to return to form. So that's nice.
2: <laughs> at least City, uh, you know, gave us something to cheer about before their inevitable relegation at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, that was nice.
2: That was nice, actually. And uh... it, I mean,
1: I think this season I've taken no joy from anyone's games. Like it's all been bad, so it's nice to at least find joy in somebody else having a good day yeah. for a change.
2: Well, it's not even you're you're not really finding joy in someone else having a good day. You're finding joy in someone else having an equally, if not worse, day than you've been having. Also fair. <laughs> that it might be, and that considering that one of those people is your wife, you know, I don't know how that's going down for you. But... Happy
1: Valentine's Day, honey. <laughs>
2: And I, Someone who I hope had a better Valentine's Day is uh, coming to us from uh, the slopes of South Florida. It's Brian Ashlock. Brian, how, how did you celebrate Tottenham's uh, 1-0 loss in the Champions League? Uh,
0: I had a frozen fruity drink by the ocean, um, as, as I do, you know, every uh, Tuesday afternoon. Um, it's like my little uh, zen moment for the day, so... Um. That's what I did.
2: How often do those frozen drinks end up in the ocean?
0: Um, I mean, look, that there's turtles. That would be littering. Um, I certainly would never, as a result of a you know a poorly played cup match, throw a frozen drink into the ocean. That's that's crazy. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, not, Brian, we would never do that. Do they know your name at Margaritaville at this point?
0: Yeah. I mean, they <laughs> just you know I I walk in, I hand the bartender a twenty, and she just coming
2: that's a big spender at uh, margaritaville
0: i know that's what i'm saying is that's why um that's why i get that fresh supply of icy cold and also slightly alcoholic drinks
2: what's the go-to at margaritaville is it is it just a margarita <laughs> like what do you do there, uh, Brian? I need I, to oh man I daiquiris I like this... what, what kind of daiquiris
0: no i do like a daiquiri Um, but you know, if it's been a particularly tough day, I would say, like, you got to go for like a rum runner. Um, and, um, you know, on like really, really, like, just all around horrible days, um, you just get a painkiller. And, um, that's, that's the way to go.
2: Is that with grain alcohol or just with, uh, you
0: know, absolutely. As you well know, um, anytime you're in the South and on the beach, you have to have a drink that includes grain alcohol. And, um, margaritaville is serving it up
2: yeah i I didn't think people outside of college campuses actually put grain alcohol in uh in their painkillers and then uh, i was at a bar in south carolina when a clemson game was on and sure enough there was the grain alcohol going into the slushy machine so
0: yeah how long can we avoid talking about these games i'm
2: willing to try and find out ben uh do you have any new avatar fan fiction updates no man (laughs) well i expect them next week so we don't have to talk about so much for
1: so much for james cameron's longevity and staying power in theaters (laughs)
2: oh so depressing man he was counting on i mean
1: you know the the fact is, is we moved on from pandora and now we're on the titanic you know it's just all james cameron all the time uh just going to keep cycling through his like eight movies for the rest of time. When's and they'll make billions in... and billions of dollars.
2: So when it turns into Terminator, when, what, at what point in Tottenham Hotspur's history are you going to go back to, to save us?
1: Ooh, that's actually would be a good conversation. Let, let's uh, have it right now. <laughs> fella. I, I yeah, thought we should we for this. talk about this team. Yeah. This yeah. is a, this
2: is
0: a really intense.
1: Well, we're not going to talk about the
2: games, Ben. So, so at what point yeah. Tottenham's history, would you go back to save us? I go back to like a week
1: ago where we beat Man City and tell them not to bother <laughs> and just make sure they got those three
2: points. Well, they, it doesn't look like they're going to need them right now. So,
1: And I appreciate a margin for
2: error. <laughs> I think I would definitely just, you know, go back to Portugal in like the 80s and, you know, kill Andre Villas-Boas.
1: What? That seems extreme. <laughs> that seems...
2: times call for extreme measures... <laughs> Would you go back to
1: Portugal and not recruit Pedro Porro after seeing his inauspicious debut? Yeah, uh, you know,
2: Spurs really need to get better scouts. I gotta say, uh, I don't know who's looking at these guys. I don't know who's recommending them, but they really need to. really need to pick it up. I mean, just just a total disaster. Um, yeah, let's start with that. Uh, we had a four-one loss to Leicester City, uh, which was boy, did the wheels come off in that one. Um, I don't know. I've seen. Pedro, I think it was exactly what we talked about. We hope didn't happen, um, which is Poro, Pedro Poro got a lot of slack. got a lot of shit, uh, not slack, uh, from Spurs fans. Uh, I don't think this was a very good debut, but I'm not sure I would say he was at fault for how bad we were. Uh, Ben, since, you know, you're obviously very critical of Tottenham's, uh, scouting of Portuguese players. Uh, what did you think? Yeah.
1: I mean, I knew this was a bad signing from the get-go. I know, I've cautioned everybody, but Uh, yeah, he was bad, but I don't blame him for the loss. He was at fault for at least one of the goals. Sort Um, of. I mean, yeah, he shared fault. (laughs) He had joint liability. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Brian, is that, is that the precise legal term for it?
0: Well, I think it's like (laughs) joint and several
1: liability. Uh, Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you're a lawyer. You could tell us too.
1: Not a good one. Not a personal injury lawyer. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Yeah, he was bad, but the team was bad. You know, he's coming into a bad environment. First day on the job, the performances around him uh, were not great. The organizing goalkeeper behind him was uh, shambolic, you know. So I think he'll get better. He did show some, like, flashes of, like, his attacking capabilities. Um you know, standing next to Jaffa Tanganga all day is not well, another uh, ideal circumstance for a guy who's a offense-first fullback.
2: I mean, I think that's you know, if there's anything I'm really critical of, if you're going to run that back line out there with two guys who don't start regularly, and one of which like has played like we've probably played almost as many minutes as he has this year, and that's before you get into the overall quality that we're dealing with, like. I might start an Emerson Royale in a game like that. Like, I understand you probably wanted, and I understand why we would want to play him in the Champions League game, but, like, I, I think you put a more experienced hand who's not getting up to speed and a little more defensively sound if you're going to put Tanganga back there. And, frankly, Davies next to, next to Dyer. Like, you're running, like, your second, maybe third choice back line out there. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I thought that was a mistake.
0: What yeah. Do think, Brian? I don't know. <laughs> I I was really focused on whether or not I was muted. Um I think this game was just it was bad. Just bad. The we looked so lackluster after having looked like we'd kind of found a little something in the city game. And
2: not just the city game, like the week before the city game. Like we had a decent little run of form there. <laughs>
0: And you know you, you had the promise of Poro coming in, and so you thought like this could look good. Um, and then it was really one of those games where just I thought the mentally they weren't there, they weren't ready. They it, it just really silly errors for a lot of the goals. And uh, I mean, <laughs> when you when you make mistakes like that, it's hard to get anything positive out of the game. It
2: was, and then especially you have a guy like Bentecourt go down, who's one of your best players. And this just team, this team, it, even before that, it was, you know. Screwed. I mean, it was 3-1 by the time he got hurt. It yeah, was- I mean, it really fell apart then. But, like, I don't know. You look at how the game started, and it wasn't, like, bad. And we scored that goal off a corner. And, you know, we would had a couple pot shots here or there. And then, you know, they have one breakdown that, you know, it was, I don't want to, against the run of play is a little too strong, but you know, like, it was a breakdown, and they score, and then it just immediately falls apart. They score again, you know, in the, like, within a minute or something like that, and it just, they just completely fell apart, and I think what's, one of the things that's a little infuriating about this team is, like, for all their faults, this isn't, like, a team that doesn't, that has, like, a bad mentality, necessarily, you know what I mean? Like, they I, I like they dig themselves out of holes all the time it's like it's not like this team doesn't know how to sort of like gut it out, and they just completely fell apart and it just lasted the whole match and it was it was awful to watch i mean it's it's really inexcusable, and I don't think as bad as we've been this year, I don't think we've had many games that
0: that ugly no i I think that was probably the ugliest I don't know if it was a sh- as some of our other top six matches have been this year, but like
1: I mean the Man City game where we collapsed a two-goal lead to lose four two in similar mentally fragile kind of capacity.
0: I think I think the only reason that that like you give that one a a little bit of a pass is like it's Manchester City and you know that that's who did it to you. And then in this case it's you know Lester and Nampali's Mendy. Like you're just like, oh god. Um, I yeah. thought I thought Dyer was really bad in this game specifically, um, such that you know he, it, it looked like he was still trying to do the stepping into midfield thing that he'd gotten so praised uh, for in the Manchester game, mm-hmm. and that that just didn't matter against Leicester. And then Iannata was running in behind him. Uh, you know getting to deal with only Ben Davies and um Tanganga and uh, i just between that center part of the defense having Forster in for Larisse like it just felt so disorganized
1: i'm like really baffled by the dire stepping in a midfield thing
0: because the way that
1: they talked about it from last game or the game before was that it was a specific Thing designed to pin down Bernardo Silva because he's such an architect of Man City's attacks and then Conte like wheels himself out of the hospital with no clue what's going on clearly no, no preparation for what the opposition is and he's like oh just do the thing that the guys told you to do last week and it's just like what what is this instruction did, did Dyer just do it on his own because it worked did Conte have no plan was there a plan to just see if this works against every team? Like I don't, I don't understand the thought process behind most of this. Uh, yeah, I, it's just, I think like we won our one game that was impressive while Conte was in the hospital. We don't need you to rush back, bro. Like it was
2: okay. I don't want to get too into. We played a little bit better without Conte, although I think there might be something to that. But like. Watching these two games really made me think. I think we, we have, on this podcast, spent a lot of time talking and complaining about our front office strategy. And I think a lot of other Spurs fans have spent a lot of time doing that. And watching these performances, and we'll talk about the Milan game in a minute, you know, I think, and we've also complained a lot about Antonio Conte this year, but I think it's, it's worth considering how big a detriment Conte is to this team I mean we look uninspired we look I mean like you said it looked like this like sort of half like okay we have this great tactical strategy against City and then we just look like we don't know what we're fucking doing against Leicester I mean obviously you know that first goal is a little bit of a fluke or whatever but like you know you're not out of the game even after the second goal you're completely in this game and we just throw up all over ourselves and we look completely unprepared and You know, you combine that with the fact that, you know, we've all said what we think about, like, oh, should we get a guy like Richarlson? Should we get a guy like Basuma? I mean, these are players who do not look as good as they looked at their previous clubs or aren't getting used, period. I mean, Conte was ready to, like, throw himself off buildings last year if, if we didn't do what he said. I can't imagine that this window didn't, at least to some extent, have his sign off, even if we didn't go get, like, the center back we clearly needed for. Like, whatever reason that happened. I mean, it's, I don't know. Like, I think this team has a lot of work to do, but I'm becoming more and more convinced that the coaching is a larger portion of the problem than maybe we had all anticipated. And I think there might be perfectly valid reasons for that. I think Antonio Conte has had a very miserable season in terms of his personal life for Spurs. And if he wants just, you know, he's like, man, I miss Italy. I miss my family. I've had, like, I need a break. I've had, like, three friends die this year. My, you know, my gallbladder exploded or whatever. Like if that guy just like wants to go back to Italy, like like, I'm not going to blame him. Like I'm not super mad about it, but I just, I'm becoming increasingly convinced we need to move on because yeah, unless he just needs a summer to rejuvenate himself, which, you know, I'm not willing to count on at this point. I think he's dragging us down in a way that maybe I wasn't entirely convinced of before the world cup.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I am I'm becoming increasingly Conte out, which is just such a weird position for us all to find ourselves in after, you know, what the kind of run we went on at this time last year. Um and and like you said, you know, we always complain about front office stuff, and I think that is what's more at fault here ultimately than than just Antonio Conte. But um there's no reason why um, you know like Ben said the 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 stepping in the midfield for Eric Dyer why those in-game tactics why um, substitutions in a game where we look flat and have nothing going on in attack like these are those are things that he can and should be in control of like if he's not managing transfer windows or signing off on who we get whatever but like he can control substitutions. He can control tactics. And like, we why just... is Richardson not coming on the seventy,
2: like sooner than the seventy fifth minute when we look as flat as we did against Milan? Like,
0: yep. I mean, you know,
1: you see a guy like Sar step in for Bentancur, and then you know everybody wring their hands over having to play at midfield and skip and SAR against Milan, and they were. Two of the brightest spots on the pitch,
2: and he deserve he and does like, deserve credit for not fucking around with like that. He actually played them. I think he deserves a little bit of credit. He for didn't
1: that. have a choice. There's nobody else to fucking play. He deserves no credit. Eric for Dyer. Eric Dyer.
2: Yeah. God, if
1: <laughs> Al- Alistair Gold had accidentally talked him into playing Dyer at defensive midfield, I would have fucking jumped off a bridge. Just saying, could be worse. It's just like. You see these guys who come in and acquit themselves so well and so capably, and you're like, what has Conte been doing all season that has not recognized the value of this? Why are we playing Hoybjerg and core for 90 minutes every match, week in, week out? You know, when you could be getting guys 30 minutes of game time here and there, you know, sharpening them up for the season, saving your best players' for legs rotating. so that they don't have catastrophic injuries you know, for the run-in when we need them. Like, that's how these things happen because we aren't resting people, we aren't rotating people. And, you know, how are you managing your squad so poorly with these with these players that are clearly better than you, the coach, seem to have recognized? You know, I don't know how good Jed Spence is. And that's a different situation, but, like, he's gone. And we don't have, you know, this guy who, who might be a useful contributor because Conte never bought to find out we have we've played son every single week and he has been terrible every single week and it is just not working we have charleston he's had injury problems but we have him we have dan Juma now why are you not doing anything different it's like make a change use your squad yeah, we're past the point
2: we're past the point in the season where we we shouldn't be trying anything different it's not like son's never going to start again for spurs you know, like, I mean, put these guys in, like, you know, let them show you something. It's, it's the lack of willingness to experiment. And, and, you know, I, I guess there's some credit to him for like, I don't want you to loan SAR out in case this shit happens, which fair enough, it happened. But like you said, why is he not getting 20, 30, 10 minutes at the end of these games to like, okay, get him on there. But he looked like, I mean, you know, again, I don't want to get too, too carried away because Milan suck, but you know, certainly look like the kind of guy who should be getting some more, more starts or more minutes than he's getting in the Premier League. This looks like a guy who's, you know, I, I know a lot of Spurs fans are calling, himself, calling him a future star now, and I would love for that to happen, but certainly he looks like a Premier League-level midfielder. Um, maybe not for us, but, like, certainly a Premier League midfielder. And, you know, if nothing else, he offers us something different, which we've been cry, crying out for all season. You know, get, get us someone in the midfield who can progress the ball. And SAR looks like he can do that, and it's like Brian's... I can
1: see Brian dying to talk about Liga. <laughs> like like Brian like said, this is, this is not a guy who right we, now. who
2: we picked off of MK Dons. This guy played for a first division team in France. Like Brian has said, Brian. Do
0: it, Brian. Yeah, I, yeah, I've said it a lot. Now I, I mean, we said it kind of when he he came into the team. Um, you know, sort of right after the world cup and he played a couple of matches and we're like, you know, when he was on the field, he played well. And so like, he sees that opportunity. And we, we talked about, that's all you can do when you, when you get that chance to play those minutes. And so like every performance we've seen from him has you know, uh, indication that we want to see more of it. And so I'm not surprised that that's what he did. and, even on that stage in the Champions League against Milan at the San Siro. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, we, once Benton went down with that injury, we knew it had to be skip and Sar, And I think a lot of us are, are inclined to, you know, believe that skip is a reliable player and a, and a, and he's good enough for that level. But for some, for whatever reason, that Saar wasn't afforded that same thing, and then that, was, and so that became all that was talked about in all the pre-match coverage was, oh, they have this young midfield, untested, unproven, and it's like, no, they Saar played in midfield for against PSG at the the their park. I, I can't even think of the name. Park de France. France. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and and he was some one of the best midfielders the then. I'm very flustered now. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm happy he came in and played good again. I i, I hope he keeps playing well when he gets these opportunities. Um, but it's it, like Ben said, it's just so frustrating that we've had this all season and whether or not he was going to start, he could have played some, we could have used him to change matches and we just did it. And, and yeah, you know I don't think he gets any credit for this because he had to do it. <laughs>
1: don't think that same... drives me fucking insane, sorry, Craig, is seeing Brian Heel play left wing back and score a goal this weekend for uh, Sevilla, uh, right after our backup left wing back, Ryan Sessegnon, is now out, I think, for the season? A while? We can only hope it's the season, but <laughs> yeah. It's like, like I just, I just want to stab something.
2: Well, that, you always want to do that, but... Getting back to our midfield, I mean, you look at, I I thought they both, I mean, acquitted themselves. I know on this podcast we're a little more on the skeptical side of Oliver Skip, but, like, I thought he looked good. Like, uh, I mean, again, like, I don't want to get carried away because Milan kind of sucks, but, you know, like, these are guys where it's like, why are they not getting minutes? These guys can't, like, you could absolutely be putting Oliver Skip on for, like, 20 minutes of fresh legs at the end of a game. And he'd probably be in a better situation, better equipped to help us right now if we've been doing that. And... You know, it's not even, like, a slam against, like, Hoiberg or Bentoncourt or even Basuma. Like, you guys, I mean, would you, any of us be mad if we saw, like, a Hoiberg-Sar midfield in, you know, a week or two? Or if before that, maybe a skip Bentoncourt midfield? Like, I think we'd all be fine rolling no, that That out. would I would prefer that. Yeah.
1: That's what we need to see. Like, Bentoncourt's out. I don't want to see Hoiberg and Skip start every week. Like, I think I like Skip, but he is not nearly as dynamic a player as Sar.
2: But he is, like, like he does some of the things that Hoiberg and Bentoncourt do, and not as well, necessarily. And I understand there's issues with how young he is and how inexperienced he is, but you only get experience one way. And I don't understand why Conte... I mean, Conte seemed to like him and trust him when he first got here, and I understand he didn't have much of a choice, but... You think he would have gotten more time this year, and I just don't understand why Conte insists on having this deep squad and spending sixty million on an attacker like Richardson to back up our front line, which I actually is is the kind of move I was in favor of because we tried everything else, you know, to, to get a viable backup for our front line. So it was time to spend some real money on someone, and we just don't use them. I mean, we talk about putting Richardson in for Sun. I mean, that's not even like a bad fit. That's probably Richarlison's like best position on the pitch is being left a left forward. Or, I mean, maybe it's a you know, leading the line after we saw in the World Cup, but certainly in his career, he's played left forward. I don't understand why we're not seeing more of him there, like, even if
1: he's 90%, 90% of the minutes we've given Richarlison is on the right. It's yes, easily his worst position of the front.
2: No, three. And, and that is <laughs> due to circumstance, but like now, like again,
1: I mean, he came on for Kulishevsky. Uh, I guess it was at Milan and, yeah. and played on the right. And uh, yeah, it's like we bought all these backup players rather than like getting better players for the first team. We spent all summer buying a whole bunch of backups to fill out the squad. And Conte does not seem to want that at all.
2: And it's, so I want to let's switch to the Milan game. Cause I think the, the, the Lester game just gonna, you know, when I was talking to Ben about recording this podcast, he was like, let's just play some funeral music for an hour. And that'll cover it. And um, I think when we talk about the Leicester game; it's certainly going to be that. Here's I think the tragedy of the Milan game, which is I think a problem for Spurs all year has been we cannot get the ball in the final third. It is we are not progressing the ball. We are not doing this effectively. I thought we did that fine to very good against Milan. Now I think probably some of that has to do with Milan suck. I think some of that has to do, which I keep saying, but it's true. I think some of that has to do with Milan took an early lead and we're content to sit back a little bit. But I think it's worth pointing out that we were getting the ball in the final third and we usually have a problem doing that. And I think that has a large part down to the fact that we were playing Saar in midfield. But I thought we did a really good job in that game, or at least a passable job, of something that we have had trouble with all season long against worse teams than Milan. And the fact that A a defensive screw up in part from one of our better, from our only really good defender and B um, the fact that our front line showed no creativity, you know, just undid whatever positives we were getting from that midfield. And it was just a really frustrating performance because, you know, we, we talk all the time on this podcast, like would you rather get cut open or, or concede on a stupid mistake? And frankly, I think in this game for all the other problems we have, we conceded on a stupid mistake as good as, you know, some of Milan's attackers looked over the course of the game. Really, that goal was down to Forrester sucks. Romero got worked. And, you know, they scored a, an extremely stupid goal. And then we just could not create anything in attack. And it was incredibly irritating to watch that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the... The fact that we weren't creating anything while all, while getting the was was very frustrating. And then we touched on a little bit earlier, the not making that attacking substitution until the 75th minute, it just really blows my mind. Um, Especially, Brian, in a
2: game where, you know, it's not like Milan's running all over us. Like, that was a game where we had a little bit of, you know, I would even say at various points in the second half, we were in control of the game. I mean, you know, like... We could have afforded to experiment a little bit. Like, okay, let's bring richarlson in. Let's drop Kane back. Let's play him ahead of him. Do something. But it's just like, oh, I'll take Kulashevsky off who like to be fair had a very not good game. So I don't mind him getting substituted, but like where's Dan Juma? Where's you know, like like bring on the Calvary, and we just don't do any of that.
0: Yeah, right. I mean you could have brought off your your new right wing back. You could have you know I don't know. It's uh, it's frustrating. And and yeah, I, I think, you know, Milan was there to be taken. And like, yes, they they got a stupid goal. And the you know, we come away only down one. Um, so we're not like out of this tie or anything. But uh, um, it, it just we just looked so um, like out of ideas. Yes. And, and that's frustrating because like Conte's system is not built on us having ideas. His system is built on you do this, and then the chances are there. And so I don't know where the breakdown is on that end, like if the players are not doing the things right or if the systems are weird. And But, like, very frustrating. Like, the the, the, the finally, the automations were working, the patterns were working to get us from back to front, and then we get into the box and we just... We didn't get good shots. We didn't get, you know, um, even, like, anything hardly on XG. I think we had less than half of an expected goal or right around a half of an expected goal. It's just horrible. I mean, it's
1: like we don't seem to have the capacity to move the ball into space and change the point of attack and, you know play balls for guys to run onto and create dynamic passing moves that like move defenders around and get guys receiving the ball in the final third open so that they are, you know, facing the goal and, and can start creating something. It's like, you know, watching every Milan counter, they just like get the ball. We well, yeah, is running at us all day in wide open space on the pitch. And it's like, we used to do that. We used to counter in a way that was like, you know, just our guys running out of goalkeeper and maybe a, an unlucky center back. And, you know, I was watching this and it was just every every pass from the midfield back into the front line, it was Kane or Son or Kulishevsky receiving back to goal with a defender right on their ass and like asking them to try and turn their man. And then they either turn the ball over or get fouled. And it was like, we're, I, I, by the end of the match, it looked like, All our strategy was to hope that we could get a foul, so maybe we could take a set piece from 40 yards out and maybe steal something that way. It's just like there's we have no concept of how to break a team down and how to get our attacking players free in the final third.
2: That's what Kane, even if you just assume Sun's useless right now, Kane and Kulishevsky should be able, like, this is not like, you know, a, a front line that should be devoid of ideas or that you can't do anything with
0: yeah and coolski's been had an odd couple of games where you know for for him he he's played kind of poorly and so I'm wondering if he has like a knock or something or if he's just tired Because, um, you know we 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 have replacements for him, but we won't play them uh or do squad rotation um yeah i i just i i i' i'm up on the substitutions like to, to not to leave him out there for as long as we did creating nothing and, and then have dan Juma come on for all of you know 10 15 minutes when he immediately we looked a little bit better once he came on and I don't know it's it, <laughs> I don't know what we're doing
1: right its like if the whole attacking plan is to just when it gets to the front line hope that they can create some magic like Dan Juma at least is a guy who is a Fairly technical dribbler, a guy who can beat a man, a guy who can kind of create something out of nothing. Why not let that guy try and see if he can, you know, break a defender off and, you know, suddenly create an imbalance, um, you know, on on an attack instead of Son, who has not been able to get the ball out of his own two feet all year, really? Like, he cannot run with the ball. You cannot. Post up on a guy in turn like he's just not been good at that at all. And like that, we asked him to do it week in and week out. I, I,
0: I well, just, and Danjuma is Danjuma again. Like Sarr is a guy who who is proven at this level. Like he he was in the Ch- Champions League team of the season last year. Um, you know, like he he is a he's a proven that he can do that dribble uh, dribble at guys make people make mistakes he can get goals like it's not like we're throwing on alfie divine you know like put another quality player out there and let that guy cook this is a game we are not out
2: of and this is something that we we uh, absolutely wait. could have experimented <laughs> with in the, like the 60th like i said earlier 65th 55th minute and we could have done something and we had all these players that's i think that's the thing that's so frustrating about Conte right now is like it's not like last year where we got knocked out of the cups, but we also had all these injuries and it was pretty much like you got the starting 11 and like one sub, maybe that you can run out there. That's pretty much it. Um, With Conte, remember he's got options right now.
0: And this season we have five substitutions in every game. When was the last time we used all five subs? Like I, I can't remember a time and You know, I think it's it's we all went to uh, a game in Portugal where we watched a manager make a sub in the 35th minute after his opponent went down to 10 men. And we thought that was the wildest thing, like that a manager would be proactively thinking about tactics and game state and would make a substitute a first half substitution um, where he brings on, you know, Marcus Edwards in place player and i'm not saying the content needed to make a 35th minute substitution but make a change at halftime like when when was the last time we saw came off at the half that wasn't like injury related like when have we when have we made a change that early in the game to switch the way we're doing things or to to get fresh legs out there um or because someone's just playing like crap like when, when have we done that in the last year and a half when, when we had so many games that called out for something like that.
1: And, like, you know, again, it's, like, not necessary that he changes his system when we have, like, like for, like, guys. It's not like taking Sun off is you're going to deprive yourself of all the goals he's not scoring. But, you know, thinking about it, I feel like last year, he was much more willing to change the shape, to bring on a third midfielder, to abandon the back five, you know, in in the middle of a game to just mix something up. And he has just been so reluctant to do anything interesting. Like he's like trusting to the system, even though all evidence is showing that it's not working.
2: And the funny thing is, if you go back a year, there's much more of a case for, I'm going to fucking run this until these guys get it. Like there, there is an argument when he's only been here for, two or three months like no we're going to keep doing this and i don't care if it costs us some points because the whole point is they need to learn the system like we are past that now like they either get it or they don't it's time to it's time you know it's time to be practical and we're just not doing it
1: yeah and you know what's that brian you're really quiet for some reason i don't know why
0: (laughs) jesus man (laughs) I'm not muted. I don't <laughs> um I was just saying we're not out of this and we can still get through to the next round and win the Champions League well, in the I... season that Arsenal wins the league.
2: So. But that's what's I think you gotta remember about Spurs. We're in like fifth place. We're we're, you know, one down against a pretty bad team in the Champions League. Like it would not take a dramatic turnaround to for this team to finish in a Champions League spot and you know, at least get out of this round of the Champions League. Like, it is just, you know, you, if they found any semblance of form, like, they could help do this, but we just keep not doing it, and it doesn't look like we're trying to do it.
1: And worst of all, it is just excruciating football to watch 90% of the time. It, like, that game against Milan was miserable. I was just, like, one of the least enjoyable 90 minutes I have sat through in Quite some time, and I've sat through a lot of other ninety minutes that were pretty miserable this season. It's just like I'm not Conte out in the sense that like we need to fire him tomorrow. I don't think we're gonna make anything better probably in the middle of the season. But like I think we should all be preparing ourselves for a Conte-less future. I mean, this guy just doesn't look like he wants
2: to be here, and. Like, I'm not saying – that, I, and I, like I said earlier, I think there's real reasons for that. I'm not mad about it. But, like, you know, we need to do something different in the summer. And I don't know who that is. Like, I mean, Pochettino is sort of the obvious choice. And I think there's some real attraction there because whatever else you think about it, if Pochettino came back here, he would really want to be here again. And that would be nice at this point. Um, I, I think, to me – When you look at our next manager, I think you've got to be getting someone who you're planning on being here for a while. I'm I'm tired of this short-termist stuff. Like, it hasn't worked. You know, I understand you've got some, like, you know, you've got Kane and you've got Son, but you need to get, you know, like, pick that guy from Brighton. You know, if if it's Pochettino, fine. But you need to get a guy who's going to – he's planning to be here for the long haul, even if it doesn't work out. Uh, I'm just – I'm really tired of this short-termist stuff.
0: I mean, so – I. I think it's hard enough to hire a manager that we should be just limiting ourselves to somebody that we think might want to stick around for a long time. I just mean the, someone but, who's
2: not, like, clearly going to want to be out of here in two years. Like, if it happens, no, it, it happens. happens. But, like, you know, Mourinho and, and Conte are very short-termist hires.
0: Sure, absolutely. But I think, you know, the thing that, that actually needs to happen is that we need to, like, start doing stuff at other levels of the club to set us up so that these short-termist hires don't, setback you know squad building and um you know what we're doing for the future um, because i think ultimately you're always going to be hiring just a series of short-termist guys but can you keep the squad operating at a level that uh you know makes sense for where you want to be and what you want to accomplish and well I think that's, that's our problem
2: i think there's something worth considering there because i know it's very trendy to hate on paratichi but like if we had a manager who actually used his entire squad, I'm not sure, like, you know, I mean, I think there's obviously problems with our windows, but, like, I'm not sure we've built the worst squad on the planet. Like, I think a lot of this has... I'm becoming more and more convinced, like I said earlier, that a lot of this has to do with our coach. Like, obviously, we need to ship out a lot of the back line. You don't say. I think a lot of this is we have to ship out the back line. I think we need to make changes in midfield. You know, I think our attacking band should be a lot better than it is uh, you know I, that,
0: that's most of the team that you just named defense midfield attack but I think the attacking right. band in midfield is, is great I think the <laughs> a,
2: attacking band in midfield is like you know you could argue that it's there right now like you play a guy like Sarmor you know you've got you know Basuma's not awful if he's coached by a manager who gives a shit you know and all of a and sudden Dumbledore
0: comes back at the end of the season
2: Let's not get carried away. I don't think Spurs need, you know, I don't think he's going to get big enough to be a really good keeper. So, you
1: know. coach Andonovle coming back this summer,
2: oh, and oh, Lasoso,
1: and Lasoso, we're gonna start cooking, baby. Jesus,
2: I don't know. I, I, I think, like I said, I, I, I think the back line is really where the major surgery needs to happen, and I think it's maybe not as bad as it seems if we have someone who's actually going to use all the players we've signed. Yeah, I mean, we know what the squad limitations are. We've seen it all season,
1: you know. When, for some of it, we've seen it even this season before and start fixing it. But, you know, at this point, it's there's bigger problems than an individual player. And our squad is not so bad that we should be playing this badly. It's just not.
2: We should be beating Milan. Like, we are a better... that it, We have a better squad than Milan. In theory, we have a better coach than Pioli. Like, I mean... I, It is worth pointing out we should have had two penalties because of Somehow, like, the announcers didn't even, like, no one deep. Harry Kane gets elbowed in the face in the box, and no one deems it worthy of comment. And, like, Arsenal gets awarded a penalty they weren't even aware of today. So,
1: Yeah, a penalty that has not been given in the 18 years I've watched this sport. They didn't even so protest you take a shot for and it. you get fouled, you don't get a penalty. It's just how it goes.
2: Arsenal players weren't even protesting for it. Man, I don't know. It's just... We are we are fucking dreadful to watch right now, and I hate it. I hate it so much.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make, you know, Tuesdays in February a lot of fun.
2: But hey, at least, like, SAR is playing well. Like, that's nice. It's something. Man, we are... We have gone back in circles. <laughs> we have just
1: lapped ourselves with how terrible everything is. We're just oh. trying to... Trying to feel better about the same thing we started trying to feel yeah. better about. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> Maybe someone new will buy the team. Then we can have different problems.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Is there, is there anything to talk about with this rumor yet?
2: I mean, an Iranian, a Iranian-American billionaire is sniffing around buying Spurs like uh, – I don't know. Like if we get a, a owner who could transform the way we spend and isn't a petro state or a rapist like that would be great. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm not going to anticipate it happens till it happens. And every rumor we've ever had about takeovers is about how Levy would want to stick around. I don't know how Levy would operate if like you know, he had a Todd Bowley or something telling him like, "Yeah, spend whatever you fucking want." Um but we'd see
0: yeah, I don't know. It's just fun to entertain that something might be different at some point. You know, I, I keep hoping for a result that's, like, bad enough so that we'll get, like, you know, just some news on the Conte front. Paratigi fraud. Like, again, I'm not Conte out, but at least that would be something to talk about. Uh, you know, I, I just... <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, longing for that the, the picture of the corner flag to show up on the Twitter. I would just <laughs> like to hear
2: stuff like... We have signed a pre-contract agreement with, like, I don't know, that Brentford keeper who like. Let's, like, I'm sure we are not doing nothing, but it would be nice to be getting some of our ducks in a row for next year.
0: We never have ducks in a row.
1: Yeah, no ducks. You know, we're too busy like coordinating uh, the bail fund for Paratici, You know, trying to
2: keep him out of prison. Beyonce is doing, like, four shows at White Hart Lane. I don't think we need to coordinate much for Paratici's bail funds. So. Yeah, maybe
1: that's what <laughs> that's, that's what it is. all about. That's
2: what it is. Four days of
1: Beyonce. Watch Beyonce Every, every time the judge started raising the figure, we added another tour date for Beyonce.
2: I am still deeply <laughs> skeptical. Uh, we had a long chat about this at our writers' room today. I think there are a lot of Spurs fans who are very certain that is going to get actually banned in England, and I think they are just... I think they are reading their preferences as to – I think they hope – I think these are people who hope Paratici leaves, and they're betting on that happening, and I, I am very unconvinced that's going to happen.
1: I don't think you have to want Paratici to leave to assume the worst is going to happen to this club. <laughs> I think that's like... what people are
0: doing, though.
2: <laughs> um, I, I think they're assuming I – mean,
0: most of us have been already.
2: Yeah, but I don't think – I don't know. Unless Paratici is banned in England, like – they don't care. Like, whatever he was doing at Juve was clearly at, like, the behest of Juve ownership. I don't think Daniel Levy is worrying at night that Paratici is going to be cooking Tottenham's books unless Daniel Levy tells him to do it. So, like, so the they only... don't care about it. We're, we're relying on
1: Paratici's Nuremberg defense. <laughs> is that...
2: No, he is. <laughs> My point is, I, I the only way Paratici is getting fired in the short term is if, like, he can't do his job for the next few years. I, and i'm skeptical that will happen but
0: yeah i mean you know english or uh, england are uh, notorious for ignoring things that come out of europe so um i don't see why this would be any different
1: brexit means brexit
0: yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> we're no longer subject to your laws <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ugh,
2: well, I don't know. I, I hope I
0: hope our form picks up
2: because it was nice. It was nice having a week where we we played well for a few matches
0: in a row. Who do we play this weekend? Oh, West Ham. That'll oh, be fun. Oh,
2: good. Yes, another team that's playing like shit, and it'll be really annoying when they play much better against us because we're awful. Yeah, Ugh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Well, on that note, I think it's time to wrap things up for the on this joyful stottenham podcast. Ben, where can people find you on the internet? I don't know. You can't <laughs> do that. Sure, they can. uh Brian, where can people find you on the internet when you're not uh, throwing daiquiris into the Atlantic?
0: You can find me. You can find me on Twitter at comrade. You Spurs. You can find me uh, throwing
2: daiquiris. No. You can throw me throwing daiquiris into the East River also at Comrade. You Spurs, that's Comrade with a Y. Uh, For Ben, for Brian, and, of course, for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs and daiquiris.